Hey, you found us. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. For the first time in 2023, I'm Ben Glixman alongside my tag team partner, Matt Story. And Matt, the college football playoff delivered uh, with two classic games, and then the Cotton Bowl Classic delivered a classic as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, the last time we talked, we we talked about the semifinals, and I know in there I I said, you know, and, and the data backed it up that most of the time the semifinals had been uh, lopsided, maybe one yeah. good game, and then the other one wasn't. And boy, they they sure were both uh, excellent games. Uh, you know, I mean, decide. You know, both finally decided within the last minute of play. Uh, you know, with the Ohio State game obviously being the very well second to last snap. I guess there was a kneel down after the missed field goal. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, great games. I mean, you know, like <laughs> you know. Funny in the sense of a lot of, you know, one one thing, you know, that has been talked about a lot is, you know, the four-team playoff, the semifinals are boring, and you can't make it in unless you're a blue blood. This year, uh, you know, dispelled that because TCU making it in and, ma- and making it to the title game, um, and the semifinals were great. And, you know, it's changing. We have one more year of this format, but uh, interesting that once it officially goes away, like, uh, this is what the format was designed to be, right? Yeah. Well, and, uh, you know, it landed correctly as you're getting at. It landed correctly this year. Uh, yeah. yeah. You know, and you had an upset with TCU and you had another one that that darn well could have been. Certainly could have been. Yeah. Um, yeah. Certainly. You know, you know and the T- monetarily, the TCU Ohio story is interesting because, you know, it, it feels like a major upset and it feels like they kind of came out of nowhere and yet. In some ways, they didn't. You know, like if you just sort of casually follow college football, you know, you think, well, yeah, TCU, they're good. They, they won that Rose Bowl ten years ago, and they, you know, they were almost in the playoff the first year. But boy, they had fallen off a lot, and for them to to be here is is quite a surprise. It really is. Mm-hmm. It's it's really quite something. Uh, you know, they were f- predicted to be what four and eight. This season? I believe, yeah. I yeah. mean, they went five and seven last year. I, I think they were picked seventh in the Big Twelve by the media, uh, which of course is only ten teams deep, so that's not very good. Mm-hmm. Um, and and you know, fired a, a legendary coach mid season last year, which was kind of like a well, what you're going to fire Gary Patterson? He's you know he's an absolute you know all time legend there. He's got a statue on campus, um, but you know, seems like I mean, early returns are that. You know, they made the right hire to replace him, certainly. Uh, we'll see if, you know, it still feels that way in a few years. But, boy, you, you can't get a much better first year than what this guy's done. Yeah. And it's, you know, and the game itself was a very good game. Uh, you were there. Yeah. What are what are your impressions? Oh, man. So, I mean, like, so many. I could, you know, we could probably do an hour on just that game. Um I, you know, first and foremost was, you know, and I, I texted you this, like, especially in the first half, it just felt like the teams, you know, flipped identities from kind of what we saw all year. I mean, you know, TCU was the team that would dig a hole and have to pull something out in the second half. And, you know, and Michigan was the team that was physically dominant and could run it anytime they wanted. And, and boy, it was just the opposite, like all game, really, TCU was able to to, you know, I don't know what the final numbers were. I, you know, and sometimes that gets thrown off with sacks or, or a big run or something. I mean, Michigan had a 54 yard run on the first snap that makes the rushing numbers look better. 
but it, it just felt like TCU could get eight yards at a time and Michigan was getting two yards at a time. And, and there were so many, you know, huge explosive moments in the game. But to me, that, that kind of told the story of the game was like TCU was just the, the, the more physical, tougher team, which was not at all what was, you know, projected and not what I expected. Yeah. It, it's interesting when you track the trajectory of Michigan football under Harbaugh, you know, he's built them up. But is he snake bit with injuries? Is that the like? If you're a Michigan fan, is that what you're telling yourself? Is like, man, I mean, if Corum you know, the was healthy, Corum injury certainly reared its head, especially in this game. I felt like, like, yeah. it, amazingly, it didn't against Ohio State, and then the Big Ten title game. Purdue was a, you know, Purdue was a nice team, but Purdue wasn't, you know, wasn't good enough to beat Michigan, as we saw today. Exactly. Now, admittedly, the Purdue team we saw today was missing its head coach, starting quarterback, top receiver, etc. But, you know, like Purdue was an 8-4 team, Michigan would have handled them, I think, without too much difficulty, and they did. Um, but in that game, they needed, a, they needed a back who could just, you know, churn out the tough yards. And Corum, like, I mean, I went to see Michigan this year in midseason, saw him play Penn State. And, and that was one of the things that, you know, I, I saw it on TV too, but you saw it in person was like, when there was a hole that would give you four, Corum could get eight. Mm-hmm. And Donovan Edwards gets four. Now, when there's a hole that could give you 50, he could get 50. Like he's a, he's a, you know, big play running back, but he doesn't, you know, he doesn't get a lot after contact. He doesn't make a lot of, you know, just, you know, make guys miss, not in a Barry Sanders fashion, but just in more of a, you know, again, make the first guy miss and get eight yards on first and 10 rather than three yards. And, it, mm-hmm. and for a team that isn't super explosive, Michigan isn't you know that's how they win they win by you know second and three second and two and and you know they just crush you and that just wasn't there in that game at any point yeah yeah and and then you know they had momentum a little bit after that touchdown in the first half and that touchdown gets taken off the board and then they fumble at the one I, I mean I don't I don't see how I watched it again on TV I watched the broadcast that should not have been reversed I mean, it just should not have been like he doesn't actually control the ball till he's in the end zone. Um, if the ball, you know, my point to that would be, okay, he, he hits the ground just shy, but if the ball comes out, if he, you know, if the ball's in his hands and it comes out as he rolls over, it's an incomplete pass. So how can you say he's down at the one when he, it wouldn't have been, if that ball comes out as he's rolling in the end zone, it's incomplete. That's not caught at the one. Yeah. It, you know, and then the, to fumble immediately after. Yeah, I mean, you can't do that. Like, this is, it's one of those classic, you know, you can complain about the calls, and I think they have a legit complaint about the call, but then you can't fumble on the, you know, you've you got to punch the ball in. And, you know, the very first drive, they get that 54-yard run on the opening, you know, first snap. Um, they you know, convert a third down to get inside the 10. McCarthy has this great scramble, you know, getting away from pressure to get down to the two. You go for on fourth down and you run a trick play and it's just like you're kind of going away from your identity. Uh, it's easy to criticize in hindsight. If it works, mm-hmm. you know, we're we're saying, oh, man, Harbaugh's got balls the size of Texas. You're pulling out a trick play on fourth and goal. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. But when it doesn't work, you think yeah. like, man, you know, you're a power running football team and you go for some trick play tight end pass to the quarterback 
it's not who you are. And so, you know, two possessions that you get inside the two and zero points out of those, very significant when you lose by six, obviously. Yeah, the um, it's like you're the number two team in the country. You've gotten here by running the ball. Yeah, yeah. I'm not saying you got to go high formation and just run up the middle. You know, you don't have quorum. And so Coram was so great near the goal line this year. You don't, have, but like, how about a, a zone read with McCarthy? He's a good runner. Mm-hmm. You know, something something that still takes advantage of what you are, which is supposedly the best offensive line in the country. The award was given to them. They didn't play like it on Saturday. They certainly did not. But they, you know, they have been really good all year. You know, you go away from that, I, it's a head scratcher. Well, and but and the flip side, not not to be overlooked. They gave up half a hundred defensively. They did. You know? Oh, yeah. Oh, no, no doubt. So, I mean, when I say TCU is the tougher team, you know, on the lines, it was both. Both offensive and defensive lines for Michigan, which were their strength for 13 games, were not their strength. And and they did not get good pass rush. They did not stop the run. And when they did get good pass rush, then they didn't cover. You know, that. I mean, the, the key play, the game, the game deciding play, among many, but probably the one that decided it the most was, you know, they get that fumble, they score right away, two-point conversion, they get within three with 14 minutes to go, force a third and seven, and they give up that short pass to Quentin Johnston, who, you know, makes the one guy miss and he's gone. And, you know, they did get within six and had the possession late, but, like, that was that was really the dagger looking back. Like, all the momentum was in their favor they get that stop. They, you know, they have the ball with 13 minutes to go and a chance to get, take the lead. And instead it's, you know, right back down 10. So yeah, defense certainly bears a lot of blame as well. They, they did not hold up well. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, you know, great season for them. I'm not going to be one of those guys that, you know, Oh, Harbaugh, they, uh, look, they've been in the playoff two years in a row. And I believe, I, I, I don't believe, I know there's only one other program in the country that's been to consecutive playoffs. Uh, and, and, you know, so like anybody else would gladly trade positions with them. Yeah. Give me, give me 13 and 0 and lose it in the semifinal as an ASU fan. I'll, I'll adjust to that. Um, but disappointing because boy, it felt like this was a year they could win it all really did. I mean, last Mm -hmm. year you get Georgia and it's like, well, Georgia was probably the best team in the country. You happened to get them in the two, three matchups because they lost the SEC title game and they were, you know, blown out from the start. This year, it's it's TCU and then a Georgia team or Ohio State team that you already beat. It's like yeah, it's kind of lining up for you, and and then it's it's over. Yeah, and it, it, on that Georgia Ohio State game, uh, a classic. You, you feel bad for Absolutely. the kid for missing the field goal, but uh, yeah, yeah, and and I mean, uh, like uh, I've been somewhat critical of late when we talked about C.J. Stroud. He was mm-hmm. nails. On mm-hmm. Saturday night, he was outstanding. I like. I mean, I don't want to change my mind on somebody after one game. I was never totally down on him, but I would feel a whole lot better about drafting him based on what I saw in that game in the first round, high first round. Yeah, because man, he was good. He, it's a shame he had to take the loss because he played really, really well. Well, and that was one of the things that they talked about during the broadcast of. You know, this isn't his normal style. This isn't his normal thing. But, no. like, well, it's in there. And now you know it's in there that he, yeah. you know. Yeah. Showed the mobility, you know, made made throws outside the pocket and, and ran for yards. I mean, the, the very, you know, 
the, the, the drive that could have been the game winning field goal, um, you know, had a, had a chance there to, you know, made, made a big run there to get him down there with a chance. Um, yeah, he was really good. He really was. And it's, it is, uh, it, it truly is a shame that, that he had to take the loss, um, because he played well, you know, like you think about it from the loser perspective in a way. And like, if you're a Michigan fan, I think you're completely disappointed because you thought you could have won it all. If you're an Ohio state fan. I think it's very mixed emotions. You, you played better than people thought, probably better than most of their fans expected. You, you know, you played with the best team in the country, head up, had a chance to beat them. And yet you were up 14 going into the fourth quarter and you didn't win. Yeah. And so you can't feel like, like, you know, like, might be different if it was just back and forth all game, back and forth, and you know, like there, there's still a feeling of a missed opportunity, even though they were the underdog, they weren't even yeah. maybe supposed to be in it. Blah blah blah. It's like you're up thirty eight twenty four, you should win that game probably. Yeah. And and we saw another version of that today with USC. Yeah. Oh, geez. Just uh, yeah. You know, yeah. They they're up fifteen. Give up a two play touchdown Five drive. To go. Yeah, yeah. Give up a two play touchdown drive, then uh, signal the fair catch on the kickoff and and a one in a million shot, bobble it out of bounds at the one. At the one, which, yeah. It, which yeah. then leads to giving up a safety, and and on that particular play, it looked like Caleb Williams was confused, slow to decide. I, I, I don't get, know. Yeah, why. yeah, yeah. I don't. I you know like. There's something to be said for being who you are no matter what. And there's also something to be said for, you know, the one thing we cannot do here is give up a safety or a yeah. turnover, get under center and sneak it for a yard or two just to yeah. give yourself a little breathing room. Shotgun in the end zone, you know, read play. Uh, yeah, I mean, like it is it is truly unfathomable to blow a 15 point lead in regulation. Yeah. Under five minutes, when you didn't fail to recover an onside kick and you didn't give up a two point conversion, yeah. like that's that's astounding. <laughs> like, I mean, if you if you said to me that was going to happen before it happened, I would say, how, how in the hell does a team outscore a team sixteen nothing in five minutes of action without both getting an onside kick and getting a two point conversion or two? Yeah, well, and and you feel for the returner. Because he did, he made the right play. He called for the fair catch. He did, I suppose. It, although, boy, do you even have to field it? Well, that's oh, probably going out of bounds or in the end zone. One of yeah. the two. Like, I mean, either way, you're fine. You get it at the mm. 25 or you get it at the 35. Uh, like, I don't know. I mean, you're right. It's it's one of those again, sort of like the Harbaugh call on fourth and goal. The outcome makes you criticize the decision because you know if he gets the fair catch, it's you no know, no big deal. You get it at the 25. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, he's not even their normal returner. Like, their normal kick returner was Malik Brown, and it was Mario Williams, so I don't know why that was. Like, what were they Were they an onside format, you know, like, onside prevent, basically, and just put him back to, like, catch it if they didn't go onside? If they did, it was the wrong move, because he didn't yeah. catch it. He also dropped one earlier in the game in a play that was very remnant. It wasn't in the end zone, but it was exactly what I said about the Roman Wilson TD. He, he, he had it. He went to the ground. The ball came out. Would have been a huge gain. Dropped it. It was incomplete. Like, you know, so it's not a great day for Omario. Yeah. But, you know, then again, just like you said about Michigan, make a play on defense, man. Two fourth downs on that drive they give up. 
and and then two you know a, a two a big pass inside the ten and I mean it's been their Achilles heel all year and it 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 showed once again they they just are they just were an awful defense I mean to win eleven games with that defense mm-hmm. I don't know if that's uh, a compliment to them or uh, a, a black mark on the Pac twelve honestly because that defense is awful yeah I I think both uh-huh. probably a little both yeah yeah. Yeah. Now I want to go back real quick to the Georgia game real quick. And just like one thing we did not discuss, I talked about how great Stroud was and he was great all game. Stetson Bennett was awesome on that last drive. Like the throws on that last drive, that throw to Brock Bowers to get him the first, first down, the throw to Kiaris Jackson to get the, you know, 30 yards there. Like the, the kid, you know, doesn't look the part. And at times in that game, he looks completely overwhelmed, and you think this is a former walk-on, but dang, he was clutch when it mattered. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, And his sideline demeanor, um, rallying the team, being like, he. when you talk about a leader, mm-hmm. he was a leader. You know? He was. He was, yeah. Yeah, he's, he's the perfect guy for this group certainly last year and look he could come out and have a bad game on monday night and they could lose and it'll be like well you know you'll hear all the people like i was you know well i told you he wasn't good enough but he's the right guy for this group and gonna be gonna be fascinating whoever wins that job next year because you know it's gonna be someone who's much more highly touted i mean the three guys they have behind him were all very highly recruited very highly regarded uh, you know, future pro prospect type quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. And yet, the, you know, the burden is going to be, well, all you got to do is replace a guy who won one national title, maybe two. Um, you know, like it, it, Georgia fans will appreciate Stetson Bennett more when he's gone, I think, than they probably do right now. Oh, for sure. Like the, the legend will grow. And by next September, it'll be like, well, you're not as good as Stetson Bennett. Like, well, where were all you people the last two years when he was the starter? Um, before we get away from it, so you've got TCU playing against Georgia on the West Coast a week from tonight. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's hard to pick against Georgia, right? I mean... It is. I mean, there's, there's logical reasons to pick TCU because, you know, Georgia's defense has has certainly shown vulnerability the last two games, especially. Um, and, and, you know, TC is a different style passing team than Ohio State. They certainly are, but they, they'll they throw it down the field. I mean, they'll take deep shots. Um, and, and, you know, Georgia's shown some vulnerability to the, to the long ball. Uh, and Georgia's got some injuries and all of that. But, yeah, I mean, ultimately, doesn't it just feel like, you know, Georgia's got a lot more talent and maybe that's not a fair assessment, mm-hmm. but it, I mean, you know, like, like TCU has got one guy who's probably going in the first round, the receiver Johnston, mm-hmm. Georgia's probably got four or five and another three to five that will go in the first round in 2024 and 25, you know, like, yeah. I mean, it just like, yeah, TCU's got, you know, five or six guys that will get drafted. Georgia's probably got 10 to 15. And, and ultimately it feels like that, is, you know, that decides the game more often than not in a big-time game like that. You know, the, the more talented team usually wins. Yeah. 
it's certainly i i mean i i'm gonna have a hard time not picking georgia i i'm gonna pick georgia i mean my official I pick too. is georgia. Uh, yeah but with with some some hesitancy um you know i i mean i'll say this you remember i rode the fence very strongly in my george ohio state pick and the way the game went i think validated my riding of the fence i picked georgia ultimately but i said i thought ohio state could give them trouble and boy did they i was flat wrong on the michigan game i'll own that one um and because i was flat wrong on the michigan game and you know on tcu's bubble being burst i'm a little hesitant but i i'm still gonna pick georgia yeah um now let's talk a little bit about the bowl system uh you wanted to talk about it uh so i'll let you lead the dance but uh i'm curious your thoughts as we complete the 2022 season bowl cycle sure sure i mean you know so the reason i well i've I've thought about it often on the last week or two because i've heard i've watched a lot of the bowls and you hear the announcers and you hear the commentators and they you know the the opining about like you know the 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 praise and and look it's awesome that Bryce Young and Will Anderson and those guys played for Alabama, but the the over praise of like you know oh they're playing for the love of their university and well, and, and then failed well, in that Saban's is the criticism quote. of those who don't I guess I mean well that so was the saving quote about like what's getting ready for the draft the game against competitions getting ready sure. for the draft sure and 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 I agree and that is I mean like if you were attending the game you're thrilled but you got to see the best players for Alabama play that's awesome uh, you know. And it's great that they decided to, but I, I think, you know, the, the sort of self-interest that's shown by the commentators on ESPN and I'll, you know, I'll start out by saying a lot of my thoughts are going to be aimed toward ESPN. I don't want to be, you know, Clay Travis who, you know, ESPN is the devil and I'm not that. Well, but, but when it comes to bulls, with the exception of like the right. sun bowl and the barstool bowl and the holiday bowl and the holiday, yeah. you know. I mean, there are 41 bowls, 38 of them are, are aired on the ESPN networks. And of those 38, I think about half are actually owned by ESPN. Yeah. You know, they, they own and operate them. So you can't ignore that ESPN is both invested in the bulls and has an agenda toward the bulls. So it has to be, it has to be known. Um, so, you know, just listening to people talk about, you know, uh, the Bulls still matter, and, and I mean, it's not just ESPN. I watched the end of the Sun Bowl, and Gary Danielson, you know, and they're showing Pitt celebrating the win, and, you know, oh, yeah, these games sure don't matter to anybody. It's like, I, I mean, I know people say they don't matter. Well, to the and, kids who play, they matter, but right, to, of course. But to of course. me, they don't. Like, I'll, they don't. I'll be honest, I... I watched the two college football playoff games. I watched some of the Cotton Bowl. I watched yeah. about five minutes of the Rose Bowl. Yeah, and I used to. I mean, the Rose Bowl used to be mandatory viewing. Right, right, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's just like I think there's so much of you know the world today is is so like you got to be one extreme or the other, and so you get the group that says the Bulls suck, they don't matter at all, we should get rid of all of them. And then, because of that group, you've now you know formed this group that says the Bulls are awesome and they're fun. And if you think there are, too, I mean, I've I've heard this exact argument. If you think there are too many Bulls, then you're anti-fun. No, I'm not anti-fun. And you know, if you want to have uh, 65 Bulls and let every single team in one, 
okay, fine. Will I watch some? Probably because I'm a I'm a sap who likes football. But we need to stop pretending that they matter. If you're gonna if you're gonna just say they're for fun, awesome. Yeah. We need to we need to stop counting them towards teams' official records. We need to stop counting the stats. That was one thing I thought this morning as I'm, you know, like for years when we were kids, bowl games didn't count towards season stats. Mm-hmm. And it was always like, well, why not? You know, that's part of the season. Then they made the change. Now I think we should probably change it back because like, should, I mean, the LSU Purdue game, you mentioned Purdue or, you know, when we were talking about them, should that count towards Purdue season? That wasn't Purdue. Like that, you know, they didn't have their head coach. They didn't have their starting quarterback. They didn't have their number one receiver. Like, we're gonna we're gonna count that as oh Purdue went eight, you know eight and six like no that that wasn't the team that went eight and five it was a shell of that team um, you know ASU last year in the Vegas Bowl like that you know, should that should that count should it count if we won no I, I, like you know it's not just the losers uh, you know LSU gets a tenth win for that game mm-hmm. okay I mean like all right I guess but so I, I feel like that. You know, and and I guess that in and of itself is semantics, but yet it it isn't just semantics because that's what you hear. You know, well, you know, you'll hear it next year LSU will be preseason top ten, and one of the reasons is well they ended the year with a rout of Purdue in the Citrus Bowl. Like, who cares? I mean, it was a glorified exhibition game. Yeah, and, and I I guess like part of it also when you have 41 bowls, including one that's not televised at all, right, like right. we're, we're just filling time and that's okay. Like that's all life is, is filling time. Yeah. yeah. But that's what yeah. we're doing. We're filling that, time. And no, like, you're dead on. You're dead yeah. on. And that, and that, that is a good, you know, so the reason I texted you in all honesty was because game day was on this morning and they talked to their credit. They talked about, you know, the bowl system and Herb Street, who I'm not always a huge fan of, was more forthright than I thought he'd be and said, you know, I have concerns. I had concerns years ago when our network started to increase the number of bowls and six at six teams were now getting in regularly and you're, and you're watering it down. I completely agree. And then Reese Davis says, you know, well, you know, does it make sense for college football to have less games and and, you know, like, give people a chance to watch something else. No, you want to create content. And I thought, you just, I mean, it was sort of a Rudy Rudiger, the, the Rudy movie with Vince Vaughn. Yeah. Like, you just summed up the problem right there, Reese. In your argument, supposedly telling us why 41 Bulls is a good thing, I think you summed up why it's not. Yeah. Because the fact that, I'm making this up, but the fact that Ohio and North Texas meet in the Belk Bowl Right. Doesn't matter. Right. Like you're it doesn't just, matter, and and it just becomes white noise. Like yeah. it just it's background noise to put on when you're you know home wrapping presents or you're you know you're with your family on the day after Christmas and you don't want to listen to your crazy uncle you know go off about you know politics. You, you put on the you know the Liberty Bowl and you don't even pay attention to who's winning, and and you forget immediately. I mean, like these games are kind of fun. But I've made this point with you, and, and I think it's been validated. Like, you know, do you remember even a month later? I mean, a month from now, if I ask you who won the Rose Bowl, do you think you'll remember? Probably not. Probably I won't either. Well, I, I mean, if I think about it, I will. If I stop and think, uh, you know, yeah. But, you know, like, that didn't used to be. used to be that winning the Rose Bowl meant something. Now it just doesn't, because when you have 41 of something, 
you water down the ones that mean something. Well, you know, and, when, when everybody's getting in, who cares? Well, and you and I have talked about this before when we did our little, like, figure out the bowl trivia, but the Cheez-It right. Bowl is now played at the yeah. Citrus Bowl. The Cheez-It yeah. Bowl used to be the Bank One Ballpark game. Correct. The, the sponsors changed, the names changed. Yeah, that's, I mean, yeah, one of the traditional ones that had stayed that way forever was the Outback Bowl. Now yeah. it's not the Outback Bowl. It was on today, it's the ReliaQuest Bowl. Yeah. And, you know, real world example, a month or so ago when the projections were coming out, my dad texted me and said, where's the ReliaQuest Bowl? Uh, you know, and, like, that's a perfect example of, like, if it still was the Outback Bowl, he'd probably remember. Oh, it's in Tampa, on, usually on New Year's or right around uh, you know, yeah, I mean, the, you're, you're correct about the Cheez-It Bowl. The game here, which started as the Copper Bowl in yeah. Tucson, you know, has is on now, I believe, if if you don't even count title sponsors of, you know, whatever the Copper, Copper Bowl or whatever. It was the Wiser Lock Copper Bowl. It was Wiser Lock, it was Domino's, it, yeah, it, you know, but if we just say Copper Bowl, it was Copper, it was Insight.com, then it was Insight, then it was Buffalo Wild Wings. Then it was Cactus, then it was Cheez-It, now it's Guaranteed Rate. That's seven names in 34 years of a bowl game. And that, again, is not even counting title sponsors of the Copper Bowl or the Cactus Bowl because there was more than one of those. Yeah. So, like, it's impossible to keep up with what these are. Well, and there's and no tradition. Like, the Rose no. Bowl, the Sugar Bowl, the Fiesta Bowl, the Cotton Bowl, the Peach Bowl. Sure. And, and then it's like, I don't care. I guess the Gator Bowl? I'd give There's you like a few. The, Gator the Gator Bowl, Bowl and the... Citrus, um, you know, the, the, what was the Outback Bowl, but again, now it, it's not, but now it's um, not. you know, like the Liberty the Bowl. Alamo Bowl, I suppose, holiday. Yeah. I mean, there's a handful that, you know, like those, those middle tier yeah. bowl games. But again, that's the problem is those are the ones I feel like that have been dented the most by well, because adding so many others. Well, because, because there's no difference now between the no. holiday bowl and the Yankee pinstripe. Bowl. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, or you the know. new Orleans bowl or the Fenway, bowl. you know? And so when you, it's sort of, and I know you don't, you don't follow golf, but it's sort of like what's happening with the PGA tour and why the PGA tour is under siege a bit is because they, they went with the same attitude that Reese Davis expressed, which is we need to have 48 tournaments a year. We need to fill almost every weekend and we need to treat every tournament essentially like it's the same. So if it's the LA Open, which is on one of the most prestigious courses in the country and always gets a really good field, well, that gets the same FedEx Cup points as the you know the Sanderson Farms in Mississippi in October, and it's like you're you can't pull that off. We we know that they're not the same, but you're trying to tell me they're the same, and what it does is it waters down tournaments like the LA Open, and and I think that's exactly what's happened with bowl game when you have. 41 and they and they put up the numbers at, at the start of the bcs 1998 there were 22 bowls there's now 41 so you've almost doubled the number of teams that make bowl games and and so you've made it where it doesn't it's i mean desmond howard who i do not really much like said the word that i usually use which is bowl games used to be a reward for a really good season mm-hmm. now they're not now we've got a structured system for which five and seven teams will go because we know there aren't going to be enough six at six or better teams to fill them. <laughs> like it's, it's, I mean, it's laughable, really. Yeah. So, I, you know, I don't know. It's just like, again, like if you want to have, if you want to have 65 bowl games and every team, if you go one and 11, you get to go to a bowl game. 
Okay, more power to you. Go for yeah, it. Yeah, but then you let's know. not call them bowl games. Let's just call them right. extra games. Yeah, let's just call it an end-of-season exhibition Yeah, or something like that, you know? Uh, I because mean, and stop yeah. counting them toward the records and the stats and all of that because they don't. Uh, you know, let's let's do away with bowl bonuses for coaches. I mean, that's one thing. Like, you know, again, not my money, but, but still, like, I mean, come on, man. Well, you know, the bowl total, bonus. Like, you know, really? If it goes to the win total bonus right right of course yeah you know so like i i don't know i mean i i read i think it was somebody on the athletic it was a mailbag somebody said you know should we should we start having i mean it won't happen but it was an interesting thought should we start having bowl games be like you know the kickoff to next season like you know you make a bowl and and you play them in august and it'll never happen but it's sort of like yeah in some ways that would almost make more logical sense like, you know, because that's in many ways what they are now. You're getting next year's team, but without the freshmen and the transfers and, and, and the transfers and all of that. And and that's the other thing that, you know, that's sort of tangentially fancy word there related to this concept is all the, the head shaking about the transfers and the the sort of moralizing about how bad it is to transfer. And, and then that lack of awareness. So a perfect example, I've watched Tennessee Clemson and Tennessee was quarterbacked by Joe Bilton, you know, stepping in for Hendon Hooker. He won the job last year, got hurt. Hendon Hooker takes over. He's going to probably be the guy next year. And, you know, and they're, they're touting, uh, Oh, this is everything that's right with college football. Joe Milton, you know, stayed and he backed up Hendon Hooker and now it's going to be his job. Ignoring the fact that both Joe Milton and Hendon Hooker transferred to Tennessee from other colleges. Yeah, which was the right thing to do for them, by the way. I'm, yeah. I'm not, I'm not criticizing it, but like, stop, you know, regaling how wonderful it is that they didn't transfer or Joe Milton didn't transfer. He transferred in for Michigan because he got beat out by Cade McNamara. Yeah, well, and so, that's, I mean, <laughs> so that's still, the, you know, like, come on, like that's part of it too. Is like, look, I don't love transfers. I I feel like I so I watched Last Chance U. Yeah. And one of the things that I took away from watching the new basketball one, it was the COVID year. But they yeah, were talking about yeah. like, so JUCO is no longer where schools are looking for basketball recruits because the transfer portal's number one. Right. High school's number two. And, and then JUCO. So like when there used to be two well, or three JUCO spots, there's now one on a roster. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Because, you know. Well, this guy wasn't good enough to play at Tennessee, but he's good enough to play at my school. Right, right. You know, well, Frankie I know. Collins I mean, wasn't a good fit at Michigan. With, with football, too. Same yeah. thing. Yeah, exactly. So it, it's just... I, it's the system now. And so it's one of those things where like, we can have the debate about whether it's better mm-hmm. or worse. But it's not changing. It's the system. It's not changing. No, it's not. And and you know, and look, I, I I agree with the sentiment that you know a lot of a lot of college kids are too quick to just kind of you know bull to bad you know a tough situation. I don't want to say bad. Uh, you know, they're you know they don't win the starting job as a freshman and they want to leave. And I mm-hmm. I agree. And and this you know the the portal and the instant eligibility gives them much more ability to do that. And so I agree in some ways with that thought, but at the same time, I think like, 
why not? I mean, if it is a bad situation, why shouldn't you be able to leave? Oh, I agree. And, I, and I why, just... you know, and some guys, it benef- I mean, Hendon Hooker is a great example. He transferred from Bob Tech. He was immediately eligible and he transformed his career. He was an, an anonymous college quarterback at Bob Tech, mm-hmm. in and out of the lineup. Not really, you know, I, I saw him as a, I mean, he was a third stringer when I went to see Florida State in, in 2018. Never thought anything, you know, I remember he was, I remember watching the Vodtech quarterbacks pregame because I was by where they were warming up, but I didn't think anything of it. He goes to Tennessee and now he's probably going to get drafted and he's going to have a chance at a pro career. And like, it was absolutely the right move. Joe Burrow is probably one of the best examples of like, you know, he was, he was going to, you know, ride the pine at Ohio State. He went to LSU. Look where he is now. Look what he did. You know, so like. Does it work out like that for everybody? Absolutely. Of course it does not. You know, like uh, more guys fail than, than have that kind of success. But I don't think we should like moralize about how bad it is with the transfer portal. And, you know, because again, I mean, look at all the coaches who left their teams. I mean, right there, your neck of the woods. Luke Fickle coached Wisconsin in the guaranteed rate bowl, uh, yeah. you know, and, and I get it. But, like, he coached Cincinnati all year, and then he got a better offer and more money, and he's gone. And, and that's that. Uh, and so, like, let's let's stop criticizing the players when the adults – players are adults too – but the adults as the coaches do it all the time, and we never seem to criticize them in the same way. Oh, yeah. It's a – it's a very interesting – world where the the coach leaving the fickle thing just becomes an interesting story of like ah, it's their third head coach this season he's letting right. jim Leonard right. do a lot of the coaching we'll see how much he does right. or doesn't get involved in the actual in-game adjustments but for all the kids at cincinnati it's like we're playing without our coach right you know? right you know and and i mean purdue you know like there was a part of me that, like, when I saw Aiden O'Connell was not going to play the bowl game for Purdue, I'm like, geez, hey, are, are, what, what is, you know, like, Aiden O'Connell is probably a day three pick at best. He might be a free agent, and he's opting out of a bowl game. But then I think, well, his head coach left. Why should he have to play? I mean, why should we hold him to a standard higher than his head coach? His head coach got a better opportunity, moved on. And mm-hmm. Aiden O'Connell is going to get a better opportunity to play professional football somewhere, maybe the NFL, maybe USFL or XFL or something like that at some point. But, you know, okay, good for him. Uh, you know, so, like, I, I just think we got, you know, I mean, it's a slow change, but almost everybody in the college football media is still got their roots in the time where players really didn't have much power at all. Yeah. Like, you know, they had to sit out a year if they transferred and they had to, you know, and and the balance of power has shifted a lot. And mm. I think a lot of people are uncomfortable with that. Like you, yeah. you spoiled kids and your your transfer portal, like some truth to that. Yes. But let's also be aware that, like, they're looking for a better opportunity, which is what, you know, Jeff Brom does when he goes to Louisville. And it's what uh, Jason Benetti does when he goes from ESPN to Fox and on and on and on, you know, like uh, I'm just singling him out because I saw he did a game this week for NFL, uh, you know, but like everybody's always looking for a better opportunity and now college athletes can too. Yeah, absolutely. So I don't know. It's just like, I've gotten a little tired of it this week with the, you know, 
let's sort of veiled criticize the people who who aren't playing in bowl games by praising Bryce Young and awesome for Bryce Young. I I wouldn't have. I mean, if I was his advisor, I would have said, "Don't go anywhere near that field in New Orleans." Glad yeah. he got through it healthy. Glad everything worked out. Well, um, but I mean, because look know, at the flip side: the the kid from Coastal Carolina who backed out of the portal, right? But right. he's like, "I'm going to play now." I I'm curious to know if he'd already made the decision to come back. Uh, yeah, at who the knows? time that yeah. he did that, but it's like. Well, look at him. He's he's there with his teammates, who he was with all season, and he wants to finish with them. And then he got hurt, and it's right, like, well, right. that's not good. No, it's not. And and it's and it's you know, like I mean, we've seen guys' careers be altered by injuries in bowl games. Jalen Smith, the guy from Notre Dame, he ended up having a decent NFL career, and he's still hanging around. He's still, I think, he's with the Giants now. Yeah. But he probably never completely rediscovered the freakish athleticism that he had before. And and um, the Michigan tight end Jake Butt, yeah, his career was ruined essentially. He, you know, like he got drafted, but he never he had multiple knee surgeries after that. He was never the same. So yeah. I can't blame a guy, especially if they're going to be a high draft pick. You're a first or even day two pick. Yeah, you you should go. Well, you really I should, and you really shouldn't play the bowl game because. Mm. You know, now again, bulls can step up and pay some money. That's yeah. that's allowed now. I mean, if if uh, you know, if, if the ESPN Rose Bowl, wants to pay to get the guy to play, exactly. Yeah, and I'll say this: Do we know? We don't know for certain that somebody wasn't paying Will Anderson, Bryce Young, and those guys to play in that bowl game. We do. That not. They, you know that they didn't have an NIL deal that said uh, you need to play every game you're available for. Well, and I, I the other thing. I'm going to throw this out there. What ESPN could do to incentivize this sort of thing is they could require insurance. Like the bowl place will insure these guys who opt for it, you know, for, you know, whatever the appropriate value is. Sure. Sure. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's ways to do it. And, and look, you can get hurt anytime. And I, I hear that, like, you know, well, if you're scared of getting hurt, that's true. But playing a bowl game, again, it goes, it goes, this is why it goes hand in hand with the discussion we had before. When the bowl games clearly don't matter anymore to mm-hmm. a big picture, they matter to those who are playing. They, you know, it's yeah. not that they are useless, but when making the, you know, holiday bowl, Oregon's a good example because Oregon had several guys that didn't play that game. You know, when making the Holiday Bowl feels no different than making the Los Angeles Bowl as the seventh place Pac-12 team, it's easy for Oregon guys to be like, "Well, I'm out." Uh, you know, like I'm done. I'm not going to risk my health on a game that feels like it's totally unimportant. Well, and that's the thing. It's it, 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 you've you've made it so it's a business decision, right? Like, yeah. what what is the value? to to doing that to playing in the game and when you're in the playoff sure because there's some legacy component to that exactly there is not a legacy component when you fall short of your goal in the regular season and therefore are playing in a bowl game that your fans are lukewarm on right Right. you know yeah i mean you what you said you watched some of that cotton bowl you know i'm sure you noticed the usc side wasn't that crowded yeah, there, the there seemed to be a fair amount of Tulane fans there, but there were a lot of empty seats in that place. Yeah, Tulane. So my in-laws and they're they're all Tulane grads, 
And okay. for them, my my father in law texted and said it it's the biggest win since nineteen seventy one against LSU from him. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, yeah, I believe that. Because oh, if yeah. you because if you yeah. care enough that you are a, an actual fan, you know It's huge. Oh, it's huge for them. I mean nineteen seventy three. Nineteen seventy three. Fifty sure, years ago. You know? Yeah, I mean, Tulane has not been, I mean, they went undefeated, what, 98, I think it was, with Tommy Bowden was the coach, mm-hmm. um, and it's been a, a veritable, you know, wasteland since then, like, it's been a struggle, and and so it's huge for that, I mean, so, like, I rail on the six and six teams making it, and, uh, you know, the opposite, the, the the opposing argument to that is it is a school like Kansas this year, that goes six and six, they made the Liberty Bowl, they traveled really well, it was a great game, they lost, but... It's a great game, you know, went to overtime, and that was great for them. And there are examples of like, oh, great story, 6-6 six and six team, that, you know, man, that was really awesome for them and their fans. But then there's the guaranteed rate bowl, which I went to, and, you know, it was actually better attended than I thought. I think a lot of, you know, winter people down here from the Wisconsin area showed up, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, but it felt like... Uh, a I don't know how to, game at a baseball stadium. Describe it. I, it, I, it felt a little bit like an NFL preseason game, I guess. Like it just, there was no juice to it at all. Like Oklahoma, I mean, both teams' starting quarterbacks weren't there. Both both transferred. Mm-hmm. One has already announced where he's going. The other hasn't, but they weren't there. Um, you know, Wisconsin's on its third coach, as you said. You know, they fired their coach midseason. Uh, both teams are relatively, probably not even relatively, disappointed to be there. Like mm-hmm. they had, they had much bigger aspirations for the season than going seven and five, six and six, and ending up in the guaranteed rate bowl. And it's a perfect example of like, yeah, there's too many bowl games. Like neither of those teams really should have been in a bowl game. <laughs> like, you know that yeah. that would have been more than fine if they worked. It's like the reason why the bowl game is good, I guess, is because now when Chase Wolf has whatever his non-football playing career <laughs> right. happen, he can say, hey, I was a starting quarterback and won a bowl game. In a bowl game, yeah, yeah. You know, and, and hey, again, that's what, you, you know, where we started this was like, yes, it matters to the guys who play. Of course. Of course it does. You know, there's a lot of guys playing who, Chase Wolf's a good, I mean, he was a fifth-year senior, I believe, never got a start before. Yeah, that's a huge moment for him to have that opportunity. And, and you know, that's great. But as a fan, and I, you know, I went, so I'm part of the problem. I'll, I'll raise my hand that I know it. But as a fan, I'm there, and I'm like, well, this doesn't, like, I don't, it's hard for me to really get a lot of juice into this. Yeah. I mean, Braylon Allen played. That was cool to see him. Um, but other than that, I'm like, you know, the, the names I know, I mean, Wisconsin had, what, a couple defensive guys sit out, I think. They, you know, go in the draft. Yeah, well, their Again, best, uh, their most impactful player for much of the game was the punter. So yes, with his yes. with his run, right, right, right. Yeah, you know, it was just like it was it was tough to get into, and you know, now could they have got? I mean, easily could have been. Um, I don't know if it had been Illinois against Kansas, probably would have felt like a much different feel because you know Illinois struggled for so many years. Kansas certainly has, and you get this, you know, and so it could have gone a different way for that matchup. The, the, the bowl selections really didn't do the guaranteed rate bowl any favors. Sending Oklahoma State here, who had just gone to the Fiesta Bowl the year before, and is coming to Tempe for an ASU game in September, like probably not going to get a lot of people to travel for that. Um, but, you know, it just, uh, yeah, it was one of those that, like, 
again, give me 22 bowls, uh, seven and five Oklahoma State, and six and six Wisconsin don't play in a bowl game, and that's mm-hmm. fine. Yeah. I don't, I don't think anybody would be too sad about that. I certainly would not have been. Yeah. Well, maybe we can sponsor a bowl, and then, <laughs> yeah, we and can, then we just we take it, it down. Well, no, we just take it down. We're just, we just like we're down, paying yeah, you we'll to not play this bowl. Destroy it from the inside. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, again, I, it's it's not going to change, and none of this discussion is me saying like you know what needs to happen is because I know it's not going to. It's like you know yelling in a vast wasteland when no one's around. Like they're not they're not coming to help you. You're screwed. The mm-hmm. bulls aren't going anywhere. There was thought that they were going to after COVID. Like, oh, maybe this will be, you know, we'll go back to like 20. It didn't happen. So because it, it's clearly cheaper for ESPN to do this or more cost effective to do this than to do something else. You yeah. And, and, and I mean, it is like Reese Davis's point as a network exec, he's dead on the money. It is content for ESPN at a time of year. Where you know your your talk shows probably don't fill as much airtime because people want to take the time off, so you can't have eight hours of you know talking heads yelling at each other because people want to take you know vacation in December, and so you can put on you know a three and a half hour game from Birmingham, Alabama, with you know three thousand people in the stands, and more people will probably watch it than a talk show. You know, like I, I get it. There is a logic to it from a business standpoint. There is not, it's it's not logical from a, a competitive, make the sport better standpoint. That's the, again, I think Reese Davis kind of summed it up. Like if you're, if your business is, you know, content for ESPN and getting halfway decent ratings on a Wednesday afternoon in December, yeah, have as many bowl games as you want because that will be successful. But if your business is making the sport of college football better, this isn't it. Yeah. Um, and I guess those two things are are just, they run contrary to each other in this case. Yeah. Uh, I, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention this. Are you watching Monday Night Football right now? No. Apparently someone is receiving CPR on the field. Do we know who? I My brother just texted me. I'm going on Twitter to find out. Um... Because I don't, I don't know. I'll see if Adam uh, Schefter knows. Yeah. Because if anyone knows, a player, I, or I think it's a player. Mm-hmm. They said ten, ten plus minutes. He made a tackle, got up, and then collapsed on the field. Schefter does not have it. Okay. No. Schefter's been kind of tuned out lately. Last night I kept checking him for. The schedule update got nothing. Bill's safety, Damar Hamlin, remained down after a scary hit. According to the broadcast, medical personnel have administered CPR. Jeez. He's been down on the field for more than 10 minutes after the hit. The medical staff is administering CPR. Um, Who's saying this? uh, The local, the official ESPN Twitter... Okay. And then a local Twitter. Wow. Um, no, I didn't even have it on. I, I, I after the Rose Bowl, I just turned it off. Hmm. I'll probably go back to it a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Jamel Hill tweeted about it. Skip Bayless 
Ambulance came out on the field. CPR administered. Can't remember play being stopped for this length of time. He made... Okay, so someone posted the replay. He made a hit on T. Higgins. He got up, took a... And then immediately collapsed backwards. Wow. So he he made the tackle on Higgins. Yeah. It looked like he took Higgins' helmet to his chest or neck, maybe. Uh, okay. And okay. he immediately collapsed backwards. Uh, yeah, maybe not shoulder to the chest. Uh, but he he yeah. stood he popped up and then the he just yeah. collapsed backwards. Um, and the Bills have had some great like that game I went to in week two. They I'm, had a couple guys like. I wonder if they're going to continue significant this injuries. Game. Yeah. The coaches are coming to midfield now. Yeah. I I can't imagine you're going to ask players to go back out there and play. Well, what do you do? I mean, what do you do if you don't, though? You can't make up the game. So you call it a tie? Call it a no contest? I mean, you could, but... I mean, who I, I needs mean, it, I, I realize who needs this, it I less? I realize this sounds crass, but this is that's a very significant game for the postseason. I mean, this could decide the number one seed. It will decide the number one seed. You know, like the, the winner of this game gets it or Kansas City gets it or something. I, you know, again, I know that's, you know, but look, we're in the, we're in the business of football here. Yeah. Um, and you can't make it. I mean, you can't push it. You got games on Sunday. Yeah. Not like you can play tomorrow. I, the, I don't know if you can do that in football anyway. I mean, there, it, it's tough to imagine that you can – yeah. Yeah. I don't know. What stage of the game is it? Second quarter, maybe? First quarter. Still 5.58 to go. Yeah. Astros start a little later. Um, I don't I, I don't know what they're doing. Looks like yeah. they're jogging. Some people are jogging off, it looks like, to the locker room. I don't. It, it looks like the Bills are heading to the locker room. Yeah. So... Uh, we'll I see, I guess. Did they? I mean, is the guy still on the field? No, ambulance came out and they've taken okay. it. They've cleared the field. Okay. But the the Bills are heading to the locker room. Yeah. They haven't shown the Bengals. This is in Cincinnati, right? Yeah, the Bengals are also heading to the locker room. I mean, I realize it has no. It's just total coincidence. But isn't that where the Ryan Shazier injury was too? Was it Cincinnati think, Monday Night Football game? I think so. I mean, that's, it's not Cincinnati's fault. I, I don't, you know, I'm not, I'm not reading into that. It's just like I'm, I'm having like deja vu in some ways. Yeah, they did CPR for ten minutes, took him, transferred him to a stretcher to an ambulance. Um, are they saying? Are you watching on TV now? The game is temporarily suspended. It has been 23 minutes since the injury. It says. I I don't even I understand yeah. that, you know, this impacts the playoffs, but I I Yeah, so yeah, I'm turning it on right now too. I can't imagine they would ask him to come back onto the field to play. Tough decision for I mean, I, this is this is why the people in the NFL get paid a lot of money. Yeah. Cuz you're you're going to get you're going to get criticized no matter what. <laughs> I mean, you know, like no matter what you do, it's it's got to be criticized. I I 
if they play this game, I I would be stunned, especially if they don't know what happened. Yeah. Like to ask the to ask the Bills players just watch their teammate have all of that happen. Yeah, yeah. You know, to to then go act on it without Yeah, yeah, I don't know what yeah. I I mean I have it on mute. I see they've gone to to the countdown crew here, Schefter and yeah. Booger. But yeah, well we'll see, I guess, yeah. Well, all right. Uh, we're not going to stick around to get to the end of this, so who knows uh, when that's going to be? Yeah, yeah. But crazy, crazy way to end. Um, yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. We'll we'll see. We'll see what comes of it. But uh, but yeah. All right. Well, we'll we'll be back. We'll talk more about football, hopefully in a more positive way. But uh, until next time, he's Matt. I'm Ben. It's the Ben and Matt Sportscast. <laughs>